What often happens is because the process is either undocumented or not documented properly, uh, we leave people to their own devices. And, you know, not saying that they're not trying to do their best, but if you don't have a process, you're going to get inconsistent outcomes. Welcome to Making Better, a podcast from Better Everyday Studios devoted to helping small learning teams have a big impact. Today, we are talking with MJ Hurley, executive trainer at Hurley Wright. One of the biggest barriers to effective training is a lack of documentation for what we are trying to train. Documentation happens to be MJ's specialty, so that is what we are going to talk about today. MJ, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I'm I'm so excited to have you. As I, as I told you earlier, so we met several months ago through LinkedIn, um, and a few weeks ago, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine about documentation inside a company. It made me want to do a podcast about it. And as soon as I thought that, I knew I needed to talk to you. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're welcome. I, I can't believe you're talking to your friend about documentation. That, that, that's <laughs> like not well, it's exciting conversation, but hey. I know it often isn't, but for people in training, in learning and development, it is just so often the, our Achilles heel because we get asked to solve a problem for a team and we go there and say like, okay, how do you want me to train this, this team? What do you want me to train them to do? And they have no documentation. They haven't sat down to figure out what right looks like. Right. Um, and so that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, if you could give a quick introduction to yourself of why it makes sense that, that we are talking about this subject, because I think yeah. you're the perfect person for this. Oh, well, that, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So my name is MJ Hurley. I'm a part of a certified woman-owned small business. Uh, our company is called Hurley Wright. Uh, my mom started the company about 34, 35 years ago. She has a PhD in technical writing. And she started this from the ground up and I've learned everything I know pretty much from her. The, the joke I always make is when you have a, a parent who is a PhD in technical writing, you kind of also have a PhD in technical writing. Because <laughs> every document you've ever submitted your entire life has been scrutinized and reviewed. And so you, you pick up a lot along the way. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of SOPs, I think it's one of those things. It's, um, it's one of those things that we think we're doing it well until we realize we're not. And most people uh, don't really know what a good SOP looks like. And to your point earlier about, you know, kind of this idea of a standard and uh, what's good, what's not good. You know, a lot of it is just uh, starts becoming bias and one person's opinion versus another, which, you know, isn't really rooted in long term behavior and long term success. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's 100 percent right. And so, you know, so standard operating procedures is what we're talking about. SOPs. Um, really, really important for come. You know, I come from a military background, and that's that's what everything is 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 SOPs. It's how it's how we operate. Right. Um, when when you say SOP, what do you, what do you think of? What are what are the things that come to your mind? Or when somebody says, um, you know, do do I need SOPs? Like like what are you describing to them, and what what makes you think they need it? That's a great question. We've we've heard them. It's it's. I feel like that term's interchangeable depending on the organization. People call them work instructions, and sure. you know, we have different definitions. But at the end of the day. It's just uh, it's what it is, what it says it is. Right. It's a process where we all agree uh, this is the way that things must get done. And I think we see them most often in uh, organizations with deal with heavy machinery or uh, drug production. You know, the idea is that we're trying to create a process that uh, generates the exact same outcome every single time without getting people hurt and without damaging any equipment. Um, 
I think one of the big problems that most people have is that uh, not only do they not know how to write an SOP, but um, there's often kind of no oversight into what's when it's done well versus not when it's done well. Um, there's often not double checking to make sure uh, it actually does what it says it does. Um, so there's a whole host of issues. But at the end of the day, it's just we're trying to create this process, you know, as we grow a team, as you know, we want to empower people to act individually so that we can entrust them and say, hey, this is the way this process must be done uh, to ensure that we're getting the same result, saving ourselves time, money, heartache and, you know, ultimately not hurting people or hurting equipment. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. So anytime you have kind of that repeatable process, are there like you mentioned, you know, making sure people don't get hurt. I think most people would understand that in these, you know, like construction environments or hazardous yeah. environments. Are there are there other kind? I think we've talked before about there's there's other kinds of places where people have used SOPs effectively that maybe aren't like life critical, but still business critical. Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that we talked about, you know, kind of a sales process. Uh, you know, what does these what are these internal processes look like? You know, who do I need to hand it off to? When do I need to hand it off to? When do I have to do afterwards? Um, you know, and I think a lot of it what often happens is because the process is either undocumented or not documented properly. Uh, we leave people to their own devices and, you know, not saying that they're not trying to do their best, but it starts becoming an issue with, uh, well, hey, who'd you give that to? I gave it to Susie. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to give it to Bill. And it's like, oh, well, Susie, you know, and so people kind of start doing their own thing. And then it's, you know, I think one of the things I always try to get people to think about really with most work activities is if you don't have a process, you're going to get inconsistent outcomes. Um, and that's one of the things we're often trying to avoid. And people often come to us and say, why is this consistently happening? Not the, the way it's supposed to. And it says, you know, either we haven't been, we haven't taught them how to follow the process or it's not clear what the process is. So if you're dissatisfied with the inconsistency of the outcome, uh, we need to take a look at the process. And to your point, uh, we often take a look and like, oh, there is no process. Uh, we just kind of told them, you know, what to do. And now everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when when companies come to you, or is there a common theme of when they come to you? Are they are they seeing lots of those mistakes that you mentioned, or are they kind of just realizing that they might need documentation? When do people normally start? Sure. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like people come to us after after a problem has reared its head. It's 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 rare that someone comes to us beforehand as preventative. Um, you know, I've had some horror stories with, you know, people getting their arms stuck in things and um, hospital visits. And, you know, uh, we wrecked a $150,000 piece of machinery because they didn't follow something correctly. And, you know, a lot of people we deal with, too, is, you know, you have audits from regulatory agencies, FDA and things like that. So uh, not only are they trying to keep people safe, but they're also not trying to get fined. And, you know, like some of our pharmaceutical clients, you know, if I've had a couple of stories where the F the uh, SOPs are written so poorly, the FDA audit, uh, uh, the, the auditor didn't couldn't find what they needed to, and they actually shut the drug down, which is uh, millions and millions of dollars worth of research and product development and everything else. So it's it's you know depending on the organization, it's it's quite a big deal. I'd say in those those situations, they're aware of what a sizable problem it is. Uh, we yeah. have other organizations where it's. Uh, you know, something has happened or almost has happened. And it's like, oh, we need to take a second look at what we got going on here. Uh, so I say yeah. most of the time it's it's post-catastrophe, not pre-catastrophe. Yeah, that that makes that makes sense. Um, I think it, it, it very parallels with, with the training world as well. Absolutely. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, 
one of the struggles that a lot of especially you know early companies have and growing companies is that you know any company that gets started is always started by people who really like figuring things out right or they wouldn't start a company right and then and and at the start of a company everything needs to be figured out everything. there there is no standard it's, right you know and then the challenge is making that realization of oh now there are some things that we've figured out and it's okay to like take a minute to pause and write right. down what are the things we've figured out so we don't have to refigure them out yes right um, but the challenge is the people a lot of the people who are leading the company just don't think that way no you know it's just not how they're how they're wired so what are some of the, you've mentioned some of some of them already you know with um things not being standardized just things not looking well right like when you look at a, when you when somebody comes to you and hands you the, the sops that they have what are just some of the you know immediate like top three just glaring red flags that yeah you see? I mean, if it's not question. top three what are the big things you see that's a great question um i mean i think the the most obvious ones lots of times is uh, there are just steps missing because um, okay. I think it's often written from the perspective of a very smart person. And there's something called the uh, it's called the bias of knowledge. And it's this idea that I assume because I know something that you also know it. And so it's a blind spot lots of times for us as writers, mm -hmm. you know, for writing for a person, teaching them how to do something. Uh, they don't have that background. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't need the SOP to begin with. Yeah. So there's there's this often assumption that you kind of have an idea as to what I'm talking about. And, and you know, not every not, a, you know, every step is always outlined like it should be. Um, that's a really big one. The other big one is just people not knowing how to write steps. You know, steps typically it's, you know, you start with a verb. It's one step and it's one step only. And lots of times we'll see people write. Uh, you know, complete paragraphs uh, under a step. Uh, multiple things are trying to be covered. Uh, sometimes they're not even steps at all. It's just purely informational. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that I think we do a good job is thinking about the usability of a document. You know, it's about making it easy for you to be able to follow along. And uh, if I have to read through it and I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do, obviously that represents problems. So those are the big three for, you know, I think it's just, assumption of knowledge, the steps aren't clearly laid out. And often it's just kind of a fire hose approach where we throw everything at you. And uh, sometimes it's usable, sometimes it's not. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so then when it comes to those kinds of challenges, how, what are the best ways to fix it? We can kind of take them one at a time, you know, you kind of start with that whole idea of the assumption of knowledge. Sure. When you're, when you're training people, how do you break that for them? How do you get them to get out of that mode? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest problems, frankly, and this is, I think, across all documentation, not even necessarily SOPs, where, um, you know, I think one or two things happen. People intrinsically, we love to write for ourselves. And I know yeah. people hearing that and they're like, what does that mean? Uh, but we often rarely don't take the time to really and truly think about what it is that this reader actually needs. Um, I have clients all the time where it's like, well, we wrote 20 pages. And it's like, of all this material, there's two paragraphs that the reader actually cares about. So we start talking and speaking because we think this is interesting, or I think this is cool. Or, I think this sounds good. That's a really popular one. Yeah. You know, we, we write to make it sound good. Well, it's not about sounding good. It's about doing a job. Um, and so this whole concept of knowing your audience, we hear it all the time, but I think most people don't know or take the time or don't know how to target that audience. So, you know, I think 
for us, it's getting them to be more mindful of what it is readers actually need. Uh, what is it that a reader actually wants? If you were picking this up in their shoes, what would you be looking for? You know, you don't necessarily care about when the business was founded. You care about the steps that I need to be able to execute whatever this action is. Um, so I think that's a huge blind spot for a lot of people is just this lack of awareness of how to actually target an audience. And then the other piece is a lot of it just comes down to readability studies and usability. Um, how do we meet this metric? How do we meet this standard? Uh, this is the expectation. This is what readers expect. Uh, now it's our job to, you know, to meet that standard so that we can make it as easy as possible for them. On, on that note, that knowing what people expect, right. does, is that part of earlier before we started recording, we were talking a lot about, you know, standardization right. of this kind of stuff. Is that, is that part of that too, where it's just like, where certain things fall in the documents. So Absolutely. Go. Absolutely. There's been a, it's really, I think it's interesting. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to this stuff, but uh, I think it's fascinating kind of the, the human process of reading. Um, and there's a lot of good data out there that in my opinion can be leveraged to help us make better decisions. You know, how readers read, what readers expect. Cause at the end of the day, um, I think one of the biggest, uh, misunderstandings that writers often have is that we assume I worked really hard on this. I'm going to put it in front of you and you're going to sit down and read every single word of it. And uh, that is just straight up not true anymore. Uh, readers don't do that. Most readers choose not to read. And if they choose to read, they often choose to skim. So being a mindful of what that looks like and how to do that better is really going to, uh, ultimately drive the conclusion we need them to come to. Cause I think it's just that assumption that, well, here it is. I did it and dig in. And it's like, no, I'm not doing that. Especially we yeah. start seeing processes. They get too long or too unwieldy. I had a client the other day. It's like, we have this 120 page SOP and no one's getting through it. Like, I know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And so how do we make this more palatable, more usable? And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's not about checking a box saying we did it. It's about, having someone be able to do something. Yeah, making it useful. I mean, you're it's 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 every time I talk talk to you, I'm always amazed at just the parallels between writing and training. You know, yes. good technical writing and good training. And it's all it's all what are we trying to achieve? And then just doing the absolute minimum to achieve that. Anything yep. else is fluff. Yep. And you can get rid of it. And the strategies um, of staying focused and setting that goal and is it measurable and all these fun things. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, you yeah. know, we align it a lot to problem solving. Writing, in our yeah. opinion, is problem solving. And it's, it's the yeah. kind of same same world that you're in, right? You're trying to solve a problem. And what are the steps that are necessary to, to solve it? Yeah, absolutely. So on, on steps, that was the, the second thing you mentioned was the second problem that you often see is, um, you know, not having each step be one thing. Right. It, you know, you just kind of do a big chunk of stuff. Yeah, and right. I do think it can be challenging because there, I mean, I think that's how humans learn, right? That's what skill is. Skill right. is chunking things together so that when, you know, when I started riding a bike, you know, like putting my foot on the pedal and pressing down right. was like a separate action from like keeping the handlebars straight. Right. And then as I got better, it's all just like riding a bike. Yeah, you know? right. Then it's all and that's that's a great analogy. Right. So if you go write an SOP today and teach them how to ride a bike, you know, you might be like, um, sit down and start pedaling. It's like, well, that yeah. might be 25 steps for a three year old who's just learning. Right. So it's, yeah. it's that whole thing. The I always like the analogy of, you know, if you ask a a 40-year-old uh, mother of two to write an SOP on um, how to write a make a peanut butter jelly sandwich for herself versus 
teaching her kids how to make one. Uh, those are much going to be much different processes, right? I'm going to have to teach the kid, like, probably have to get a stepladder, probably have to teach them how to use a knife, uh, where the knives are located, how to open a drawer, you know. But for her, you don't need to tell her all that, you know. Go grab the knife, open the jar, stick the peanut butter in. But, you know, that's probably 40 steps for a four-year-old. So, you know, again, the part of it, too, is just a recognition of audience. Who are we actually writing it for? And then uh, how do we actually meet the need of that person? And I think a lot of the SOPs that we see are just incredibly generic with no specific reader in mind. So Interesting. may or may not be, you know, actually even meeting the need of the of the intended user itself. How, are there best practices that you recommend for making sure, you, you know, are you taking the SOP to the end user and having them test it before you finalize? Like what, what are some yeah. things you can do? Absolutely. I mean, so I'm a huge advocate of getting someone familiar to review it, but also someone who's unfamiliar. Uh, mm -hmm. I think some of the best um, piece of feedback is often from the person who has no idea how to operate the machine or totally. the, or the process. Um, I think so much time we handed that person and this is often how most organizations check where it's like, I wrote it. Let me write it for the other. Let me see if the other SME agrees. They do. Great. We're moving on. And that usually isn't very thorough. Uh, mm. you know, it makes sense to me, but the whole point is uh, we're not writing for you. We're writing for someone. Who yeah. I feel on. like there's a, there's a whole thing that like way to get like HR and other support teams more involved with a company of just like have a standard process for all SOPs or technical writing, just like, goes through the HR team or something and has right. somebody, you know, cause they have no idea what's happening over there and it gets them more integrated with the business and exposes yep. them to all kinds of cool stuff and it will help the documentation. Um, I, I like that idea actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, cause I often say, I feel like, you know, tr the, the training team's role is to be the dumb person in the room. Yeah. Like that, that's why we're brought in. Yeah. Um, be curious, ask questions, you know, turn yeah. over every, every stone. I, I agree with you. Um, yeah. And again, I think, you know, lots of times it's that uh, that's where a lot of the the benefit comes from, right? Because there's so many assumptions being made from the the person who's already knowledgeable uh, that they just that we just frankly miss stuff, not on purpose, of course, but it's just yeah. a lack of insight. Yeah. And then the final flag that I think you mentioned was was about readability, just yeah. kind of general readability. So what what do you advise for, for that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, to me, like usability, the, you know, with every document, it needs to have the, the, the point is that people need to be able to pick it up and, and use it and understand it and ultimately execute. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that's achieved. You know, I think one of the, the most telling thing in particular is, you know, we've seen it in, just in front matter where we don't give the reader uh, a heads up and like what could be dangerous or what tools to use or mm. what the safety precautions are, what the standards are. Um, you know, sometimes it's even something as simple as a bad title where we say it's, you know, we're going to teach you how to make a birthday cake and it's actually about riding a bike. And so uh, that's a bad analogy, but, you know, you get into it and you realize, oh, this is I'm in the wrong place. Or it's a collection of SOPs. That's really common where, you know, that lengthy one that we talked about, the 120 pagers, <clears throat> that's like really it was a collection of like, you know, seven or eight different SOPs. And yeah. so, you know, we're making people just work too hard. And I think one of the to me, we always have to understand the human behavior side of reading and readers are always and I should say always in most cases going to try to find ways out of it. Most people don't enjoy reading. Uh, so uh, 
we have to constantly be aware of kind of these decisions that they're making, how they're making it, and how do we make it as easy as possible for them to do what it is we need them to do. If we create obstacles for them, they're just going to put it down and go ask their colleague, hey, how do you do this thing? And that's where we start getting into trouble. Yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it sounds like for, for all three of those things, like really what it comes down to is two essential elements of what's the outcome you're trying to achieve and who is your target audience? Yeah, that's like, that's, those are, those are good. I tell people all the time, writing comes down to two things, who you're writing for and what do you want them to do? And you if you can drill that in and make that clear and then start measuring it, you're going to be in really good shape. Perfect. Perfect. One, one other thought I had in question, I don't know if you touch on this with, with folks, organization and storage. That's always the thing that I feel like I see a lot where maybe they're doing, I mean, I don't know about how good their SOPs are. Like maybe they haven't, maybe they don't, but they're all over the place. Yeah. And nobody can find them. Yeah. Um, do you, is that a common problem that you see? Yeah. Do you have any advice? It's funny. Um, I have a call tomorrow with the group. We've been doing some work with a pharmaceutical group. I'm not going to share their names. I don't want to get them in trouble, but it's um, every SOP has basically been, they're saying the problem is no one wants to write them. So it's just a hyperlink to another document. And so you're just going down this rabbit hole, click, 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 click until you find something useful. And then oftentimes it's, you're in the wrong place. And so you got to kind of go back out and try it again. So um, there are, I feel like, a, unfortunately, a lot of shortcuts being made. Um, and, you know, again, it's that problem where it's not a problem today. But if someone if someone gets hurt or if we get audited, we have a we have a huge huge problem on our hands and yeah. so it's 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 always that way right it's always that way with everything we're going to kick the can until we run into that you know that fire and then we're like oh no we should have done something about this that is the big challenge for for both of our spaces is right. it's it's always tomorrow's problem yeah 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 yep. and seeing what's it costing you today versus what's it going to cost you in a year from now and you know is it worth is it worth paying a dollar today or do you want to pay a million dollars a year from now you know and that's kind of yeah the question sometimes, but again, it's, well, maybe, maybe it won't happen. Maybe I don't have to pay a million dollars a year. I'll, I'll take the gamble. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's the world that we live in. It's a, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. You know, for sure. So, so do you have any, any, have you, have you seen any good best practices for storage then, or is it just kind of like, it depends on the situation? I haven't really for storage. A lot of people have kind of their own internal yeah. SharePoint or whatever. Um, so that's usually kind of not, the world that we live in and they i have i did actually have two organizations one they digitized all of their um sops to basically make it like a click through or for a while there you know it's actual physical you know manuals yeah. um and that was i thought that was interesting they're on like the, the manufacturing floor and they were able to click through it and you know give it would make the decision for them like what the next step was nice. um so that was that was pretty cool and then i actually saw one client um they transferred, which I thought was really smart. They transferred all their SOPs and made them all into videos. Um, and I thought that yeah. was interesting, right? Because again, think about usability. Sometimes it's easier for me to show you something versus me sitting down and having to write it out for you. Um, yeah. I thought that was smart. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't, no one's really talked to me too much about their storage issues, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I could help them too much. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, well, I want to be cognizant of your time. So any any last thoughts you have? If there was one main tip you could give, you've already given a lot. But when it comes <laughs> to getting started with, with documentation or helping the company with documentation, do you, do you have any final, final parting tips? Um, 
I think the I think one of the biggest things is have a standard in place, right? The organization we got to as a you know as a unit agree what we're trying to accomplish and the best way to accomplish it so that we can start streamlining and standardizing it. And, um, you know, a lot of organizations, we don't do that till later. And there's a tremendous amount of frustration that comes around from the writer's perspective where they're saying, well, no matter what I submit, it comes back in a pool of red ink and the reviewer saying they're not listening to my feedback and it's taking too long to, to get things done. So standardize as early as possible and that should save you a ton of heartache. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for being on the show. Um, really appreciate the time. I thought it was a great discussion um, and have a great rest of your day. All right, you as well. Thank you, Matt.